and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Volkelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 402. That's right. What are we talking about tonight? We are talking about multiple things, but we hope first and foremost, as as the episode breaks down, who knows what segment will actually be longer, but we're going to talk about Code 8, the movie that you were chomping at the bit to see for a while, and now... uh, it's pretty much everywhere, like we discussed last episode, based on different stream streaming platforms and opportunities to watch. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It is pretty much anywhere. I, I I can't remember if it was was a Kickstarter. Was it a Kickstarter? I can't. Uh, let me let me Google it. I'm pretty sure it was crowdfunded in some way. Co- oops. That would that actually would make sense. So, to, so the production values were pretty good. So you have no matter what you have to give you have to give credit where credit was due. No matter what, that the movie looked it looked good. So is Indiegogo? Okay. Yeah, there was an Indiegogo. I'm trying to f- pull up the old page. Yeah, the old page. Um, it was. Da-da-da-da. Two million five hundred thousand and uh, sorry, two million five hundred and one thousand nine hundred and seventy-two dollars donated by three by thirty thousand eight hundred and ten backers. Nice. Yep, and that was back in twenty sixteen, I believe that that right. finally ended. Yes, because that was also when they had the, uh, the like the ten minute little short version of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So how do you want to start, man? Uh, where do you want to Where do you want to go? You want to go acting performances, overall general impressions. Uh, I don't know uh, well, how it's how how reaction is going online. Since yeah, I know you're into that, well, you, all that stuff. Why don't you just give a, a, a basic breakdown for people what the plot of the movie of the plot of or the concept of the movie, just in case people don't know entirely what it's about and then we can just we'll just see where that see where that takes us okay so um basically uh it's it's a different world um human uh superpowered human beings have always been a part of history they were uh, a big part of the industrial revolution uh, kind of really helped you know build up the cities and stuff like that but uh, once uh, automation uh, in various industries came into place. A lot of those people with superpowered, uh, superpowers, you know, uh, super strength, telekinesis, stuff like that, 
um, were no longer, you know, really needed. And then they started being, uh, you know, kind of put out towards society as uh, less than or, or whatever and very ostracized. Uh, Robbie Amell, which is Stephen Amell's cousin, um, he plays Connor, who is a um, an electric. Uh, that's what they call it. Uh, his his power is basically electricity manipulation, electrokinesis, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and they categorize things as various classes, like a class one, class two, you know, so on and so forth. Um, uh, class five being the highest, I believe, and. Um, he is working various uh, odd jobs to raise money for his mother, uh, Mary, who is sick. It uh, looks like she has cryokinesis, but I believe she has cancer. It's a tumor that is in her, uh, a brain tumor that's pressing on her brain and kind of causing her powers to go haywire and kind of turning in on herself. So he's trying to raise money to um, you know, get her... Uh, some medical help and stuff like that. Uh, when now the world, is, because these people are being ostracized and really highly regulated, um, the to to help kind of combat this and not put police uh, lives in jeopardy, I guess they create not only this sort of drone system, but a robot police force that can go in and deal with these powered individuals on a more equal footing in terms of sheer power. But also, you know, if something goes wrong, we're not going to lose a lot of, uh, you know, uh, blue lives, I guess is what they'd say. Um, so, uh, enter Stephen Amell's character, Garrett and his crew, um, they have various powers, uh, just uh, telekinesis, uh, some uh, pyrokinesis, and I believe uh, super strength uh, on, on on that crew. Uh, and they're doing various odd jobs for you know some sort of mob type system in the city. Obviously, uh, uh, Connor gets caught up in this and um, trying to raise this money. The person that they're doing these jobs for has a healer on his payroll, uh, and towards the end of the, uh, towards the end of the film, that comes into play. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go into spoilers this soon into the thing, or if we want to give a spoiler warning just now and go into it anyways. Uh, well, we're going to be talking about the movie the whole episode. That's what it's about. So you you came into this with a Code Eight review. Uh, you're expecting some spoilers. So here we go. Um, uh, Robbie agrees to do this particular job and sets up a, a bunch of the plans for it along with Garrett. As long as Garrett and um, this, this guy share kind of uh, credit for it, as well as Robbie gets to use uh, this guy's healer to help save his mom. Uh, well, they get double crossed. They go back to fight this guy he dies. Robbie takes the healer over to his mother, tries to force her to save his mom. He sees the amount of pain she's in, stops her. His mom dies. Um, and then he turns her loose and kind of goes off on his own. Uh, throughout all of this, they're being chased down by the detective and his partner. Um, and it turns out Robbie is a class five electric, uh, that sort of thing. But that's sort of it's it's a really sort of basic plot when you really come down to it you know somebody being asked on the fringes of society being forced to do something um 
you know, uncouth to do something that they deem is right and in your eyes toward the beginning of the movie is right and what are the, what are the lines you will cross to to save somebody you love sort of a thing i think that's some that's the, a good basic summary of it i i i thought that i thought the twist with what nia the healer which because she's she's not a tr- she's not as much a real healer as she is like an absorber that basically, but anybody she heals or tries to heal, she basically takes takes their wound onto, and there are whatever ha- whatever she's trying to to heal, that she basically absorbs that into her own body. So it comes at it comes at a cost. She isn't it isn't just draining her energy. It isn't just making her weak. It's just like so if if you get stabbed in the gut and she heals you, then she's going to inherit the wound. Basically, she's going to take the wound is going to appear on her body. When it leaves yours, so that's that's one of the reasons that so that's one of the reasons why Connor at the end decides not just because he knew his mom wouldn't approve of this, but also though it, they do play it nicely from the perspective that even after in the beginning, but not in the beginning, but before he puts her in the position to go, to heal his mother, is that he knows at this point exactly what happens to her. That it isn't as black and white as oh she's a healer. He knows. That she basically is taking on all the damage because of the fact that he healed a cut on she healed a cut on his arm earlier, and then he gets shown that cut by her that hey it's on my arm now yeah, instead of where it was on yours now it's on mine. So it's a nice little gray area when we when we think that he's going to force her to basically give her give her life, which is basically what she, he would be forcing her to do, even if it didn't kill her immediately to get the tumor out of his mom's head and then basically calls it off. So it was, I think more of the twist was obviously that she wasn't a pure healer, but, but you kind of knew something was up just with the fact that why, you know, why was she, why did she need to kind of like be on drugs and different things? And basically she needed to do something to dull the pain from all the stuff that she was taking on. Oh, that's what I didn't mention. Oh, yes, uh, the drug from the, from the powers. Yeah, what oh, was that I called? You were going to ask me that. Uh, uh, code 8. It's on the tip of my tongue. I knew psych. I get. Yeah. Um, so Psyche is made from um, made from the spinal fluid of uh, of powered individuals. And basically, I, is it eye drops, essentially? That's what I got. That's the impression I got that they drop it in their eyes. That's yeah, that's so how look, they I think that's it. the predom- the main method of uh, distribution or absorption. It's a powerful narcotic and slash psychoactive drug. It doesn't give anybody powers, but it does really screw you up. Um, but there are like there aren't just you know because it's made from the. Um, the spinal fluid of powered individuals. There are psych farms where people, you know, get hooked up to machines. Uh, I guess some willingly, I guess if they're paid and others probably get abducted given the class status that, uh, powered individuals have in the society and just hooked up to these farms, um, for, you know, illegal, illegal pulls from their system. But that's sort of the main catalyst of this whole thing. Uh, you know, psych dealers and all of this. So I thought, yeah. So I thought that that twist was was kind of clever. I like. I mean, oh, generally speaking, I liked the movie. I in the beginning, I didn't think I was going to like it, only because 
it seemed like when you were basically you're creating this whole world of like X-Men like characters, but yet they're only concerned with these, you know, the, your, the day-to-day lives and, and petty rot, larceny and thing, you know, and, and motives we've seen before in so in many, many, like as you kind of touched upon, in many, many movies about uh, people basically turning to a life of crime, uh, which I guess is his father obviously had a history of going down that road to a certain extent too. But the idea of people being willing to turn to a life of crime to get the money that they need to support or try to save, help family members, that it seemed like it was, it seemed like, oh, really, you're going to tell, you're going to tell this basic story that we've seen before, but just have these super powered individuals as opposed to, you know, more, like, the best way, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it, but, but, but more heavy stakes and stuff that we're used to seeing like in, in standard superhero fare. But that actually grew on me. Once I got into the movie and got into the characters, I kind of liked the fact that it was more grounded, the fact that they made it, that it was like, that. forget about having you know your, your, your Jean Grey level mutants all over the place or somebody who could destroy the world, the idea that they, that even, that for the most part, even the most powerful powers are not that on that on that level, but just the fact that the the average person who has some kind of ability, they're just struggling to make ends meet, and and the fact that they're being ostracized and they basically can't really use their powers in the open, and, and they're not supposed to, and there's that. I like I kind of I kind of like I kind of like that. I thought that I thought the way they. I thought overall the approach that they took in the movie was was a nice. Was a nice change, even which, which, even though I didn't think I would like it, it it worked for me. So I thought I thought that was a good that was a good uh, good changing you know switching things up a little from what we're used to. Um, I did like it. Uh, I um, so how did how I found out about it and why I was excited about it. Uh, I obviously I enjoy Arrow and just the CW verse in general. I have every season of all the shows on Blu-ray, and you know I try to follow them. Obviously, now that I don't have uh, actual TV, TV, uh, I don't. I, uh, well, let's scratch that with because you have the CW app and everything that you can follow up on and keep track of if you really wanted. With everything that's been going on, I just haven't been caught up on the current seasons of things. Flash, uh, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow. Black Lightning, stuff like that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I'm a whole season behind on Black Lightning. Um, I haven't seen any of season two. Um, and uh, Stargirl is out. I have, I've only seen the pilot of that. Um, but yeah, with everything that's been going on uh, just in the world and as well as personally, um, you guys all know that story. I just haven't been caught up on those shows. But at the time, back in 2016, when this was all in, you know going on and being funded on Indiegogo, um, I was, you know, knee deep in all that stuff. I followed uh, Stephen Amell on social media. Stephen Amell had a big presence on Facebook and social media, constantly going live and talking with his fans and having Q and A's. Um, a very big presence on 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 the platform to the point where he actually started working on working with Facebook on ways to improve the Facebook Live platform. Um, that's how big his kind of presence was at the time. So I heard a lot about Code 8 and, you know, what was going on there. And he'd bring Robbie on to talk about it. And obviously I was a fan of Robbie because I'm a fan of Firestorm. And Robbie played live-action Firestorm in The Flash. So, you know, I really, really wanted to be all over all that. So that was fun. 
Um, so once it finally came out, you know, three years later, uh, almost four years later, given the fact that it came out at the end of uh, 2019, um, it was just like, oh, wow, this is finally actually coming out. I've been hearing about this movie for so long, and now it's finally here. Um, to talk a bit about the... I'm on uh, cinemablend.com, and this article was posted back in uh, April 18th. So uh, keep keep that in mind when I when I read this. Obviously, I told you guys, uh, Code Eight in production they raised 2.5 million to on Indiegogo to to do that. Um, they 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 did all that. They used it there. They helped you know. To produce it, uh, film it, you know, do screenings and film festivals, so on and so forth. Uh, box office wise, it had one hundred fifty thousand two hundred ninety eight dollars, but its success really comes in the terms of streaming platforms because it released on uh, uh, various online platforms on April eleventh, and by uh, according to this article, by April thirteenth. The film was number one on the Trending Now tab on Netflix with its current standings, keeping the film in the top ten at number eight. Again, this article is back in April 18th. Uh, and as of right now, it uh, already has a series pickup on the streaming platform Quibi. So, um, you know, being number one on Netflix on Trending Now, that gives people, uh, it gives it a lot of uh, visibility and being picked up, you know, Quibi is apparently becoming a thing. I didn't really want anything to do with it, but um, apparently it's it's here to stay at least for a little while. So, um, being getting a series pickup anywhere is is obviously a good deal. So, success really comes not in uh, you know what people are paying to see it, but really its visibility. And the reviews, for the most part, are pretty positive. Uh, it's, I mean, it's not it. You know, it's not Citizen Kane here, but even on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got what a seventy. Not many reviews though from critics, uh, but still, it's got seventy-nine percent score on, uh, from the critics and sixty-three from the audience, which is not, you know, it's not perfect by by any stretch, but it's not bad. Uh, it's certainly, it's certainly an, it's certainly entertaining. There's no that. So it, it the the. The basic and the most important thing you can say about any form of entertainment is like, does it, you know, does it succeed on that level? Are you, are, does it grab your interest? Are you, do you feel like, oh my god, I wasted an hour and a half of my time watching this movie? Or do you feel, or, or listening to something or reading something? It's like, wow, I'm never going to get that time back. Or do you think it was worthwhile? And I think, I think, I think it was worthwhile. I think, I thought, uh, Robbie Amell came across well. In this movie, mm-hmm. he was definitely a good yes, leading man, I think, and I think he. I understand that uh, Stephen Amell is in by by design is in a much more of a supporting role in this, but I think this, I think this, to me anyway, this performance showed a lot more about gave you a lot. A, sh- sh- it's shown. And shined light on Steve on Robbie Amell a little bit more, and I think that was a good thing because it showed, from my perspective, that at least he had some more abilities. Uh, I don't know. Stephen Amell is kind of like hit or miss for me. Uh, but again, he's so typecast currently in that one role, it's kind of hard to know uh, going whether he, when you see if 
if we get to see him in more projects and he's doing things that are completely different, then that probably will indicate that or paint a better picture about whether, whether how much acting chops he has from over our. What's the best way to describe it? The uh, whether he's got range. I guess that's the simplest way of describing it. Whether he's got range. I think the cast overall was good. I, I'm a little disappointed that good. My boy Han there, Sung Kang, his role was a. His role was not. It was important, but he didn't have a lot of screen time. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if that was like budget constraints or just because conceptually in this, in this movie, whether you know. That his it wasn't necessary for his character to have a huge role, but I like him so much. So it was so in, but they did throw a nice twist twist by making it clear that you know he his his daughter is powered. So I like that. I like the fact. So one of the one of the reasons why he is not so willing to just throw the book at Connor and just assume the worst and not care and just oh let's fake basically. With his partner being the borderline corrupt cop, it's like, hey, you know, we can just do this and do that and find the evidence to conv- to bring charges on this guy. One of the reasons why, just by just the fact that he's not corrupt, we also know there's a personal reason because he his, him having his own powered daughter that he's not he has no great desire to ostracize the, uh, this class of people or treat them as subhuman because he has a personal interest in not seeing people like that treated that way. So I like that. I thought that was, I I I liked I liked his character too. Uh, I thought the I thought it, I thought Mary. I thought the mother character for the most well, well fairly predictable. I mean, it wasn't like it, it's not like it was any written in any kind of dr- dramatically different way than we've seen most mothers in, in especially in similar situations. But I thought she you know I thought she did a good job. I thought it was a her character was likable. You felt bad for her because she because that tumor was basically causing her to not be able to control her powers, which was leading to problems not just at home but basically at work when she was trying to basically keep any keep any clerk in that clerk position at the at the at the grocery store that she had basically. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I thought they could have done. Uh, I want to say I don't know if they could have done more or gotten a better actress for it, but I didn't really feel um, convinced by the actress that was playing the healer. I don't know; she sort of felt off to me in a lot of this. I mean, I know the whole idea is she's supposed to be sort of under duress, um, sort of slave captivity, and also a user and a complicated life and all of this stuff. But at the end of the movie, they have this moment with her and I guess her father where she's meeting him in jail and they're having a conversation or whatever. We never hear the conversation, but that you know that's when the screen goes black is when she smiles at him. But like, I, I realized like that's the scene they chose to end the movie on, and it fell flat for me because I wasn't invested in that character. And if you're going to end a final shot of a movie, you know, with a character, then it should be a meaningful final shot, right? Um, it's not like you you end this movie knowing that there's a Quibi series in the works or guaranteed that there's a sequel or anything like that. So, uh, at least this particular type of film. So, um, that sort of fell flat for me. 
The mom, yeah, convincing. Steven did well. I was going to say I've seen him in an episode or two of New Girl. He was um, he was playing a sort of a brainless uh, jock type uh, who was dating a model, you know, acting silly on drugs sort of a stuff. But and I was going to say yeah, I've seen different sides of character from him, but honestly, that's really no different than his his portrayal of past Oliver Queen, pre, you know, pre-Island Oliver Queen. You know the the drunk idiot playboy sort of a thing. Uh, so yeah, uh, he he definitely felt like he was doing another sort of role. This is he's a powered individual. He's played that before. You know when there's like a Elseworlds mix up or you know uh, something like that. Um, he's he's done that. He's done evil before. He's you know. You know, Earth X and all that. So there's, there's, he's not doing anything really new here, which isn't to say he's not good. Uh, he's able to do something very well and does it very well in this. So uh, that's good. I, I think Robbie, yeah, is the standout in here. You know who I really enjoyed, and I don't necessarily know why. Maybe she just really went into the role. The pyrokinetic. The girl, uh, when she died uh, during the rob one of the robberies, I, I actually felt that I was like, "Oh shit!" You know, like that's that's a loss for this team. No, I agree. It's not like she was a particularly good person or anything like that, but she seemed to like have a very caring relationship and ties to the people on her crew. Uh, she seemed like she really knew her job and knew what to do, like that sort of thing. But like, I thought that particular. In terms of supporting actors, I thought she did pretty well. And, and the detective was great, but I wasn't entirely sold on him. I've seen him before and other things. I can't just really pin down what. But, uh, I mean, it, it wasn't enough to take me out of the film. I, like, like I said, I think I think the healer was the one that I wasn't, uh, like, I was the most not convinced about. Um, but my surprise supporting character in terms of, in terms of just, oh, that was a, a good performance, was, was the, uh, the pyrokinetic. No, I I think that's I think that's a good good overall assessment. I think when you factor in the budget constraints and everything else, I think they had a I think they had a good cast overall. I think the they they had a they had a clever take or a not expected take on a story that inherently we've seen multiple multiple times before in different ways and I don't and let's we don't we don't want to make it sound like they reinvented the wheel with this or anything either but it, it was a I do appreciate the grounding of the of like if you had basically if you had if you had mutants that were not like alpha level mutants for them and how they what would be important to them on a day in day out if you're being ostracized and you don't you so you're not have you don't have to deal with the magnetos and the phoenixes or, the, or dark phoenixes of the world and things like that oh they can destroy us so you so you which also works on the other level because you don't have the the, the rash if you want to use the term the rationale for being afraid of them because oh because they can destroy us that yes they can cause problems yes it's the even in this movie, they can kill you and things like that, but it's not. That's not what really drives them really being ostracized. It's so I I did like that take on it. Plus the daily str- the struggles of how you 
you know you have these powers and you know they certainly come in handy like he's using his powers when he's working construction and everything else that which is not uncommon for obviously for powers to be doing that but i do think i just think it was uh i did like the nuance that they they brought to it and yeah i I don't know if I'd really want to see a series about this. I certainly wouldn't mind seeing another movie. I don't really think I'd want... I don't know if this would work as a series. It also depends. You would have to think... Well, again, I mean, Stephen Amell would probably do it because if if Robbie Amell was going to be in it, the quote-unquote star, that uh, in some capacity he probably would be willing to. But I'm just... So it's not really a big... It wouldn't cost a lot to bring the surviving members of the cast clearly back in some way, shape, or form. Uh, or even the non, the non... The ones who didn't survive, as we know, can always come back in different ways uh, for, in appearances and flashbacks and so forth. So I would be interested in another movie. I don't know if it's really necessary, but I'd be interested. I did like the the robot, you know, the drones and the police force. And I like the fact that they actually gave... The act, unlike what we normally see, this was a nice change that they actually had the robotic police officers actually pretty good at their job. That they weren't that easy to they were a weren't yeah. that easy to just kill instantaneously, and they were pretty damn good at their job. Uh, they were pretty methodical. And they weren't just uh, they also weren't going like all all uh, dark stars here and just like shooting every single thing that moves because hey you know it's, we're willing we're willing to take that collateral damage all the time to get to, to get the job done it wasn't quite the way it normally is and no i think i think overall i was i was pleasantly surprised i didn't necessarily think it would be bad but i i i wasn't sure i would really really take to it but i think overall i would say that i did I think the only other note I had about something I want to discuss about this, how did you feel about the intro? Because there are a lot of films and various things that do a sort of info dump intro in the intro credits. Uh, did you feel that took away from the enjoyment or did you kind of get an odd feeling when it first started going, Oh, it's one of these kind of things or cause like I was, I was, you know, once we got into it, I was like, okay, good. You know what? I'm, I'm actually glad you know, that I know that this is, this is the sort of world we're living in. It's not that superpowers are a new thing. They've been around. They've These people have been a part of the development of the country and the world and are now being told that they're not needed and that sort of thing. But as it was happening, you know, that that was the opening thing. Basically, my appreciation for that intro didn't come until the point where I was in the movie. It was during it. I was like, wait, an info dump? Come on. I... I think I have similar feelings to that 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 you do. I I wasn't turned off by it because it did paint the picture of the world that you know that, that we were living in. That so I do think that was that was effective. But I do get where you're I do get where you're coming from because of the fact that it if. If, I could see how people could be turned off by it or kind of, or, or like zone out with it a little bit, but I, I do think I do think it was a pretty it was a certainly a very direct way of letting you know that a this world is a different that a this world is different from ours and b that 
these individuals were, were greatly responsible for building the society that we're encountering in this wor- in this movie, this world society. But now, because basically technology has caught up to where their powers are for the most part, or at least close to being equivalent on cer- certain levels, that they aren't needed anymore and they've gone from and they're, they're not needed they're also not appreciated and they're, and, they're, and they're treated like you know second class citizens despite the fact that they're more powerful than, than everybody else or at least in certain areas so I, I, I was a, I was mixed on it I would probably I should probably watch the beginning again and then and then pay a lot of attention to it and see how it resonates knowing how the whole movie plays out but I wasn't tur- I wasn't turned off by it. I certainly it didn't captivate me where I was like watching with bated breath. I was more listening, I think, than I was watching at that point. But I wasn't turned off by it, and I thought it was appropriate based on the story that they wanted to tell. They wanted to establish where what kind of world this is, and where and where these where this class of people uh, have where they went, where they were, and where they are now. All right. Anything else about the movie you want to discuss? Uh, I don't... As always, it's probably like five minutes after we get done with the episode. I'll say, oh, yes, I forgot this. I, Off the top of my head, I would say no. It's certainly I would recommend, you know, if you have Netflix, I would recommend watching it. It's like we talked about last week. I think it's like an hour 38, I think, give or take. Uh, so it's not, it's not, it's not super long. It's also not super short, so, which always makes you nervous when a movie is like like an hour and fifteen or less. It makes us like, okay, that's barely a movie. <laughs> you get you get you get a movie that's like, like close to sixty minutes. It's like okay, that's like a TV show. Uh, I yeah, I think it, it'd be curious, and it'd be curious to get some uh, to get your opinions on it. If you go, if you if you watch it, if you stream it, what what you think of not just not just the acting, but the overall concept of the movie and how you think. Especially knowing that it it was a very small budget on this movie, how you think that they were able to use that? And I think considering they did, I think they got a lot of bang for their buck with the special effects in this movie and everything else. Considering, especially with the robots, when you think about it, especially with the police and all, and the drones and the that I think they they did get a lot out of this movie. Considering they didn't have a whole lot of money to spend on it. For sure, uh, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, all right, well, what's uh, what's next? Well, I think we're going to actually talk some Green Lantern stuff. And to segue into this real quick, I did get my i I got my Alan Scott pop today. My pile of my I, oh, I shipped no. about a week ago. I finally pulled the trigger and I shipped my pile of loot because I was getting from Big Bad Toy Store because I, even though I still have like three items waiting to come in that are supposed to be coming in in July and as we say this we're recording this on what the 21st or the 20th that the the uh, clearly the odds of it actually the stuff arriving in July is remote and we know most of whether it's COVID related or not almost almost nothing that has been has met its arrival date when it comes to toys especially stuff that probably is manual predominantly manufactured in China. There's probably a backlog on things. So I got my Black Series Count Dooku. I got my I Am Iron Man pop, the glow-in-the-dark pop, and I got my Alan Scott pop, So, which I did not open. 
So in case you en- you eventually still end up with it, he is still sitting in his box. But it, I didn't open Tony. I wanna I do want to make sure I put him under light tigs to see how to see if I can actually get a decent glow. I've never had an over a huge success with those glow in the dark pops. It seems like you need a whole lot of whole lot of light to get a whole little <laughs> of residual glow coming off them. But but I did get out. But based as a nice segue, yes, I got I finally got my my Alan Scott pop, which looks pretty. Pretty damn cool. It does, doesn't it? I mean, like uh, the the images. Obviously, it is. It, it doesn't look any different from the images, but definitely seeing it in person, it's just it's a really well done pop. I think. Yeah, I just wish we get a friggin' parallax pop. I'd, I'd be so happy if we could get a parallax. No friggin' jagged teeth, though, for the love of God. If they ever give us a parallax pop, please just make it. Well, I mean, they've been doing a lot of villains for SDCC this year. Um, not to take your segue away from you, but for S- for SDCC this year, in terms of DC, there are two pops coming out. There is Cyborg Superman, which is the one I'm interested in and uh, hopefully getting. Um, the and the other one is Ra's al Ghul, uh, which I kind of I, I was kind of wanting to get just for the Denny O'Neill connection, but ultimately I decided not to. I just don't have that much of a tie to race and you know i only have so much space so i just decided you know what i'll just get cyborg superman because i mean frankly that cyborg superman pop looks cool as that's, hell that, that's, that's uh to be classic so, cyborg superman like reign of the superman look rain yes yes uh and as as well as uh it's um uh oh and, and not not as well as but uh, for anyone looking uh that one is a target uh shared exclusive so That'll be a target on whatever date those release. I think they're supposed to come out sometime this week, maybe next, uh, in the stores. Uh, STCC would have taken place this, this this coming or this weekend or whatever. So uh, just be on the lookout for those, or go online and pre-order it or whatever. I'll be I'll be looking for it. I can't go to any stores or anything, but uh, I'm like I said, I'm a part of uh, in the past. I'm a part of a Funko group here in Austin. I think. Uh, I put out the call on, on that group. So I think someone might be willing to pick me up a Cyborg Superman. Uh, just, you know, obviously I'll reimburse them, but <laughs> there's that. Um, and speaking of um, speaking of um, Entertainment Earth, just uh, pulled up my thing here. Yeah, it's not ETA is not expected till August. The power battery that I ordered. Uh, that yes, almost forgot about that, but uh, yeah. It's still weird that it hasn't shown up anywhere. I mean, I guess it's not so weird. Some of these things that are exclusive to different places, you would think. I guess we would have just naturally suspected that was going to show up at a big bad toy store at some point. Did you get the link? I, Twelve hundred dollars. Like like most of those things, it's 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 ridiculously insanely priced. But the fact and. I, I just I just did a search on Cyborg Superman at Big Bad Toy Store and then I found that and the fact that he has the uh, the fact that they, they have that alternate hand but has the power, the Green Lantern powerings on it is pretty impressive though. That's, that is that, that, that is a nice statue though. All you had to do was make this uh, the Eradicator and Mark would have been no, twelve hundred dollars no, out. No. See, I gotta be honest, not to not to go off on this tangent that I that I started us down very for for long. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I like the costume design because it almost looks like it's that's like this is like more like the new like either like rebirth or the new fifty two kind of like cyborg Superman design because it's something about the belt something about that thing around his waist does not look like 
Did we say what we're talking oh, about? Did we say? No, we're looking at the DC Comics Museum Master Line Cyborg Superman statue, which uh, is supposed to arrive pretty much any time now. That is a va- Currently on Big Bad yeah, Toy Store, guys. The pre-order, however, is sold out Yeah, on Big Bad Toy Store, but it's uh, only $1,159.99. But the good news is it qualifies for $4 flat shipping. <laughs> and I was... Struggling with the idea of paying what three hundred, four hundred dollars for the Spider Punk hot toy. <laughs> and to be fair, there are some cool things. There are some really cool things about about this design. I think the texture on his uniform, even though it does not again look like classic Reign of the Superman Superman costume, but in but I do like the fact that you got a lot of texture. I think there's a lot. I think the detail to the metallic parts of his body. Are, are really nice. Obviously, having the green the hand with the with the Green Lantern power rings is is pretty damn neat. Uh, the reality is no. Even all kidding aside, even if it was the Eradicator, I would not be spending p- pretty much close to twelve hundred dollars on any friggin' statue. Uh, if it was life size, then you can make a case. <laughs> Where would you keep it? But at least you could justify the price. Uh, as it is, it's what. Uh, 23.5 by 24.84 by 37. So it's not small by any stretch of the imagination, but but yeah, I didn't mean to hijack you there, but it was kind of it was kind of funny when I was looking for for Cyborg Superman when they when they actually had that. No, I also um, so I'm looking for Cyborg Superman the pop for SDCC. I also just uh, pre-ordered. Um, I think it's Big Apple Collectibles, the Black Adam pop. But you haven't seen this. But you didn't see. The, you don't have a link for Cyborg Superman, do you? Yeah, I've seen it. To order. You haven't seen the no, photo of it. I don't think it? I've even seen the picture of it. I don't think I've seen a picture of it. But but you don't have a link to order it now, though, do you? Okay. No. The the link on Target isn't live. But it's on Target's website. Oh, we don't know. Okay, let me go. Through. Yeah. Should should be on their website. I could have sworn you, I sent you, you the photo. Have, I guess I didn't. But, uh, boy, those things are weird. Those face swapper things. Um, yeah. You could if, if you. Oh, there he is. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to yeah. get him if I see him. I like him. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Uh, anyways, uh, so uh, uh, Mark brought up Alan Scott for a reason. Uh, as you guys know, we are close with the Nodell family. Um, the entire Lantern cast, this is Dan, this is Jim, this is Mark, this is myself, um, we're aware of and, and close with them. I Would it be fair, Mark, to say, or does it sound egotistical yes, for me closer. to say, <laughs> I am closer with... Okay. All right. Okay. I, I didn't no, want it to sound no, like I was being I, rude or like I was I, trying to brag or anything. Let me tell you about. Let me. Let me I'm just trying to set this up right. No Dell ties. No, the reality. Let me. Let me <laughs> tell you. No, the reality is no. It's. I think. I think all three of us would openly acknowledge that yes, you are, you are closer to the Nodells and your ties are closer than any any of us or probably the, all three of us combined probably honestly. So yes, that's not ego or. Okay. So uh, the Nodells reached out to me. Uh, I've obviously spoken to them uh, multiple times back and forth about various topics, uh, including, uh, you know, hoping to get Martin sole credit for the creation of Green Lantern. But um, 
they reached out to me and said they had a couple of things that they wanted to send me. Um, and they, sh- I, this was a while back. Uh, so I gave them my office, uh, to address to ship it to, uh, because I wanted it to arrive safely and reliably and all this stuff. Um, well, this is obviously pre COVID, so I don't go to the office anymore. So when the package finally showed up, uh, it was just sitting in the office for weeks. Uh, luckily I had a coworker who had to go to the office to grab an extra monitor or whatever. And he checked my desk to see if it was there and he saw it and another package also. And he grabbed it and actually drove it over to me at my apartment and dropped it off. So I finally got the package in hand and I opened it up and I got several different things in here. So, uh, I got some large art prints, uh, of Alan. And I would say these are your standard, uh, maybe comic book size, like the, you know, when you go to a convention and there's original art on the table, the original art page, uh, that size art prints. Uh, and I've got one of Alan kind of flying up in the air, um, shooting his power beam towards the ground. I got another of him just flying across the sky and I got another of him charging his power battery. Um, these are all print signed, Mark Nodell, creator of Green Lantern, but they're all, uh, all actually signed, signed, um, by Martin as well. Uh, obviously Martin passed years ago. Uh, so it's just something that they had sort of, uh, in the, in the home. They also gave me a smaller print, similarly, uh, print signed and sign signed by Martin. Um, in addition to that, uh, Martin's wife uh, gave one of the family members a little Green Lantern enamel pin in a tin box. Uh, they sent me that as well. Uh, and a copy of uh, Zero Hour Crisis in Time number four, signed by Martin O'Dell. And two other things, and I have a hard time determining which is uh, cooler, but... Um, Jim says one is cooler than the other, so let's just leave that one for last. Um, uh, the first one being a green mouse pad, like a forest green mouse pad with green uh, permanent marker sketch on it of the lantern. And it says Mark Nodell a, uh, and Green Lantern on it, sketched on it. And this thing right here, you guys can hear that. It's a uh, metal kerosene lantern. It's a green lantern. Um, and what's cool about this is this isn't something that was like recently purchased from Academy sports and outdoors or something like that. This is the type of sort of regular kerosene lantern that you could find somewhere out there, but this one's a little bit older and, um, evidently they had multiples of these, but what's significant about this is this is one of the lanterns that Martin and his wife took to conventions to put on their table as kind of table display art. So people knew who he was. Uh, it's not drawn on, it's not signed, uh, nothing like that, but uh, it is one of the prop pieces that Martin and his wife would carry around to various conventions as he uh, went about things. This is something that was in his possession and in his home, uh, and with him quite frequently on the road. So I have one of those, too. Um Obviously, being a Green Lantern fan, I've toyed around with the idea of going on eBay, uh, trying to find something that was signed by Martin O'Dell. You guys can probably find lots of copies specifically of Zero Hour 
Um, there's zero hour zero. There's zero hour number one, stuff like that. You will find those on eBay. Uh, it's most typically zero hour uh, that I see on there with various signatures by Martin on eBay. Uh, so if you're looking for something, that's probably what you'll end up finding. And at least in terms of paying not a billion dollars or something like that for, for it. But um, they didn't send me any original art, so calm down. Uh, it's uh, nothing like that. They they themselves don't really even have much original art or anything like that. And the stuff they do is very historical and obviously family heirlooms at this point. So uh, they sent me all that, and uh, I thought that was... That was pretty cool. Now, I can take a picture of it and post it all on Twitter, or kind of redo the video that I sent Jim and Mark and, and them, um, showing them all what happened, what I got. Um, but uh, yeah, um, don't go reaching out to the Nodells. It's not like they have a cache <laughs> of this stuff just lying around that they're that they're willing to sell you guys. That's why I said the Nodell family sent it to me, not mentioning a specific individual. Um, they only had a few couple of things that they could spare and because of my relationship with them and obviously the work we do on the show and bringing, you know, recognition to the character of Green Lantern and stuff like that for 12 years of, of doing this show total. Uh, this is, this is pretty darn special. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I don't have to go buying anything off of eBay anymore. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because now my, in terms of Martin O'Dell history, the lantern obviously is, is pretty cool uh, and awesome. Uh, everything is awesome, but um, the the idea that I have some stuff. Uh, let's see, that's five five different things signed by Martin, personally signed by Martin, that were given to me specifically by his family. That uh, that's pretty cool. It is. They actually reached out to me the other day, uh, asking me if I wanted certificates of authenticity oh, wow. too. That's nice. So that's cool. I told him I don't plan on selling it, but if I did have certificates of authenticity, I'd just frame them alongside the the items they already gave me. <laughs> It'd just make the frame look cooler. <laughs> you, better, you better get it for the battery if you can get one. So, so when so when you leave it to Jim and the Will, that... that <laughs> <laughs> he did say he wanted it. So by, by, by the way, if you do end up having the surgery, Jim says make sure you do the Will first. <laughs> or put a sticky note on it. <laughs> <laughs> With his address, please send it. In case, in case of unexpected consequence, please send this to Jim Ford. No, I will it to Scott or something. At least it's, I will it to at least it's his son. Family, yes. <laughs> it's, in, it's in a trust kid. I'm watching. So, so he has it in his house. He has it in his house, but he doesn't necessarily. <laughs> it's not his. <laughs> uh, yes, but it, that that was that was very cool and. Considering, considering the year the year that you've had, that was that was really that was really good timing. So I, I think we were all pretty happy that that you got that little. Every, everybody, hey, everybody likes a surprise. Everybody likes getting stuff in the mail. Period, or getting packages. But when you really get something completely out of the blue, and you're not, and it's, and you have no, you're not expecting anything of consequence, let alone anything of that magnitude. Yes, it's. Uh, I was happy for you, so I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you have some very personal stuff in your in your collection. For sure, I'm I'm excited about it. Speaking of packages, I actually placed an order today for some more stuff off Amazon. Um, just because I 
I, I don't know. I guess enough time had elapsed between my prior prior um, prior trial of Amazon Prime that they offered me another thirty days uh, free of Amazon Prime. So I was like, all right, cool, free shipping. Let me buy a couple of things. Um, so uh, I got Killer Groove Volume One, which is a an indie title I was really enjoying. It's a music thing. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, if you're into music and comics, check it out. Um, but I actually. Specifically, I got Watchmen, the series, season oh, gotcha. one or whatever, the HBO series, on Blu-ray because I hadn't seen it, uh, and I heard a lot of good things about it. And then I also got my first Omnibus that I haven't gotten in a long, I haven't gotten one in a long time, and I, I got it specifically because uh, it was a, it was a good deal. It was like forty percent off or something like that. Uh, it's a uh, the Justice League of America Bronze Age. Omnibus Volume 1. So uh, not only did I get it because the Bronze Age of JLA is probably my, one of my favorites, but also that's when Denny O'Neill was on the was on the title. So um, I made sure to get that. Uh, what does this collect? It says, uh, begins the fame Super Team's Bronze Age exploits from Justice League America 77 through 113 and includes a forward by veteran comic writer Roy Thomas. But yeah, it's uh, Denny O'Neill, so had to had to grab it, and it, you know, again, Bronze Age JLA is 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 best JLA. Um, but yeah, so I, I placed that order just in terms of getting cool packages in the mail. But uh, we have one other thing to get to, right? Yes, Jesse, this one's for you. I told you we were going to get to your to your feedback, your letter to us, uh, since you addressed it specifically to Chad and I. I, I was kind of holding off on this as long as we could, and we almost did it last week, but but this this seemed to be a good week to do it. So, and when you hear it, Chad, then you know if you didn't read it before, then you realize that when he says he's catching up, he really is. He really is behind. So, Chad, Mark, I'm way behind on my listing, and just listened to the first half of episode 380. <laughs> Jesse, yes, <laughs> even though yes, this. Which one was that one? Uh, obviously, it must be a Morrison thing based on the thing that for the rest that he says. But even factoring in that he wrote this in May, so still that that, that kind of was we. we oh yeah, Black yeah, Stars number you, one. Before you went down, we were still like almost up to episode four hundred because uh, we only. I think we only because that's how we ended up with the reign of the three ninety nine because I had to pad because I had to pad. <laughs> so yes, he was behind then. Uh, I really, I really can't take your negative opinions on the great Grant Morrison anymore. I'm done with your backstabbing podcast. For the same reason, I moved on from the Green Lantern spotlight since you brought them up. Yeah, I remember I did. Uh, way back when they were trashing Jeff Johns, I'm moving on from you guys to Myron and Phil over at Podcast of Oa. They know what's good, and that everybody is finally right. Everything is finally right in the Green Lantern universe for the first time in years. So it's time I say goodbye and hit unsubscribe and Stitcher. Farewell, and I hope you burn in the fury of atrocities. Say that eight times quick. Atrocities is rage. Just kidding. While I am enjoying Grant Morrison's run on Green Lantern a great deal, it's really okay that you guys have a different opinion. You are still very clearly fans of the character, but just not into the current storylines. That's okay. You still get credit where it's due, pointing out things you do like, such as the art, isn't Liam Sharp and even Zermanico and Black Stars hitting it out of the park after issue, and Grant's love for the Silver Age. You also like each other and try to keep the conversation civil and mostly free of profanity. 
minus a rant here or there, I suppose. Uh, my reasons for abandoning the Green Lantern Spotlight podcast went way beyond the, just their Jeff Johns bashing. You guys have way more positives and negatives for me at this point, and I'll keep listening for a long time to come. You guys are one of the most professional-sounding and well-organized comic podcasts I've ever listened to. Keep up the good work. The check is in the mail, Jesse. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to try to start writing feedback more often and also working to get caught up to your current episodes. I may skip a few non-Lantern-related episodes so that it can get there faster. Keep the Lantern lit, guys. You are bright lights in this dim night for the Lantern first. I'm hoping it'll get a little bit back to previous levels when the HBO Max show starts. Not that anyone would be able to watch it until they, unless they make it more accessible. And P.S. I didn't listen to the second half of episode 380 yet because I haven't seen the new Terminator movie. God, that's how long that's how long ago episode 380 was. Even though that's only the fall. That actually was only the fall of last year um, when that movie came out. I haven't seen the new Terminator movie yet, and I didn't want any spoilers. PPS, I'm really just kidding with that first paragraph. I love you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, you didn't have you you didn't, you didn't have me at all during that. The fact that when Mark said feedback from Jesse, I was like, okay, it's going to be positive. So like, <laughs> you you didn't have me tricked at all, now, man. To be fair, <laughs> I could but, I could have tried to read it more monotone, and then maybe. Maybe it could have been more of a hard, an, an easier sell, but no. yes, the fact that you no. the fact that you knew that it was that you knew it was from Jesse because I told you, uh, maybe maybe that was the kiss of death. I shouldn't have said it was. I should have left out who it was from until we got further into it. But it was a it was a it was a good email, and it's and it's and when he first wrote it, and I did reply to him clearly. Uh, but I did. It makes me feel good that even though we you know, especially when it comes to the Mars and stuff, it is hard to find a lot of positive to say. Overall, obviously, from issue to issue, things things vary, and not everything is Green Lantern season two, number two, where you know, which we know caused Chad's perforation. <laughs> that rant just busted a lot of things. That not everything, not every issue is like that, and we react to it. But the fact that at least. We, we, I think we try not to be so – we don't want to be completely negative about anything. So, it, Yeah, it takes a lot of energy out. I mean it's fun to have a rant, but if every episode becomes a rant, that's no good. And like I said last time we had a Morrison ep, you know, it was just like I've already clearly checked out. I'm not going to waste a bunch of time anytime we review a Morrison issue to you know tear the guy a new one. I will mention it. You know, maybe my disdain for it um, in 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 brief summation, but I won't go off on it unless it's a particularly bad issue uh, for one reason or another. In which case, I'll I'll state you know what that what that reason is. Um, but uh, as for pointing out the quality of the show, thanks. Uh, the show's been on the air for twelve years now. We <laughs> quality of it had better be. <laughs> Reaching a uh, plateau in terms of uh, in terms of uh, being produced well and sounding well, and I've obviously got a new mic and and everything to set up. And I think Mark, you said you're considering getting the same I setup, right? I probably will, especially when when I end up switching over to the to my new machine. Uh, I probably when that becomes the machine I record on predominantly, I probably will at least get it because it's not going to hurt to have it. Uh, but that's yeah. So I, that will be something. That definitely will be something that I 
will look into. And plus, and plus, to be perfectly honest, it, it's it's good. Even though we really don't do up to this point anyway, we we really haven't done anything video wise. Uh, we haven't, you know, we don't do video. We don't record on Skype for videos, or we don't record on any other. Though we probably really should think about doing some videos here and there. But obviously, it would come in handy better to not have a regular bulky headset, though. Then, because then you can use vari- you know, the earbuds. Depending on whether it's a regular headset or just an earbud or something, that's a little easier to do. Have some flexibility on, as far as the size. But it's not. It's better not have to, having a mic in front of your face and a headset if you're going to be doing video recording. I can under- I can understand that. So, it would probably be a worthwhile. Right probably be a worthwhile investment across the board uh, going forward but I but you know we, I, we appreciate that and cl- clearly he hasn't he hasn't listened to the to the ch- you know you know the chat on ice part of the uh, well he may have by now uh, but at the time of that email he certainly hadn't and we'd like to think overall the with some minor touch obviously you bring more flair and experience from the editing perspective but Thanks to thanks to you know things that I had picked up along the way from you and things that Jim helped me with and everything else. I like to think that for the most part we've been able to keep it relatively clean, <laughs> and I don't mean content-wise. I mean yeah, Mark's 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 been for those of you who don't who don't know, Mark's actually been editing and posting the last uh, 10, 15 episodes, yeah, actually, something like that. Starting with the starting with the which i mean i which i announced clearly to the people that just because in case there were going to be some things we knock on wood we didn't hit that while you were gone we didn't have any dramatic audio problems or something that was going to be a serious fix or if it could be fixed a serious fix where you'd really have to do a lot of work on both tracks but yes from the get from the get go uh yeah got a i had done a few playing around I'd done experimenting with different things in Audacity, but it didn't spend a lot of time in there. But thanks to yes, thanks unfortunate unfortunate circumstances. But but the but a one of the probably few small positives from that is that yeah, I've gotten I've gotten to do more playing around with with Audacity and and doing some editing and gotten you know certainly better at certain things and even doing some touch ups and even even. Even little things like hopefully I won't have to do for this one, but the b- the beginning of the last episode of 401, like I told you about that. For, but you had mentioned that so once in a while this happens on the recording, especially towards the end. But sometimes some of the, tra- the when, when we're speaking, even though we're allowing enough of pause between us reacting to each other, like in an opening or closing, sometimes it like speeds it up when it records. So the opening was like that, where my, my me saying my name overlapped the tail end of Chad saying his. And was it a big deal? No. Could we have survived with it? Yes. But I said, well, let me see if I can play around with it. So by snipping, by, by making a couple extra copies of, of the track and snipping it and si- putting silence in and things like that, basically that beginning was almost like I didn't, you know, you probably, most people probably wouldn't even know that that was done other than the fact that I'm saying it. So those are little things that I probably wouldn't have felt comfortable doing. I would, I would have made me stressed out if I had to even try to make an attempt to do that maybe like four months ago but now yeah I mean it's 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 kind of fun to to until you know obviously until like a lot of things until there's a crisis that comes up a lot of things can are are fun so but yeah I've I've enjoyed it and it it doesn't when when there aren't a whole lot of issues and when there's not much massive when there's really not any real serious editing to be done except snipping out everything before you know when we are chit chat in the beginning 
that it doesn't take it doesn't take that long to get you know to get the to do the you know and to level it and and do the, and add the music. It's not so I'm I'm kind of enjoying it and I'm gotten I'm and the XML files and stuff we need to upload so it shows up on iTunes and everywhere else. Yeah, I'm getting used to that too. It's you have obviously as you very well know and Jim before you know before us knows that you have to be pretty meticulous about that and you have you know because you just screw up something that you you can you can screw it up bad but as long as you if you pay attention to what you're doing it's mm-hmm. real, it, you also can fix it pretty easily especially especially with the XML files like that that's why sometimes I'd edit yes. your descriptions to you know put in commas instead of colons or dashes or or hyphens or whatever yep. you'd put in uh, because some of those can count as codes, so you know I just make them commas or or whatever. Because uh, the you know if 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 it reads it as code, then the episode doesn't post or post, and they can't download it or some shit. And, because that's what yeah, because that's yeah. what happened, and that was funny because it's the first time I was getting I was almost really getting cocky, so it's kind of good that this happened in a way. And plus, it happened when I had plenty of time because we had recorded episode four hundred, probably like about almost like a full week before it was about to go out. So the last thing that I did getting you know, the episode was all edited, everything, the, you know, the page was written up. Obviously I had to do the timestamps for that one. Because once it was, once the episode was done, because there were so many stories for the, the 80th anniversary book, the 800 page giant, but did something about the description I wrote up in the website. When I went to cut and paste it into the description over in the XML file, it didn't like, Something it didn't. I I'm still not entirely figured out what it was, but it didn't like it. Everything so everything else I did up to that point it took. So in the description, which now of course, but based on what my what I've learned is I do the description last. I make sure everything else is done. I save it, and I, then you can still look at it as you just make sure the basic structure hasn't changed of the file. And then I'll just use the description. I'll, I will still cut and paste, and then I'll check it. If it doesn't work, then I could always just write a new description and just not play games with it. But, yeah, those are things you obviously learn. And, and as Jim pointed out when I told him I had my first problem, I was like, ah, I've been doing, I, I've been doing this for how many years now? And I, still, and I still had problems like that or still have problems like that once in a while. So, But it is, good. It is a good learning experience. For sure. All right, man. If uh, if someone wants to reach out to us like Jesse did and maybe give us feedback on things like their thoughts on Code 8, how do they Lanterncast do that? Lanterncast.gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to find us in those. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We are on all three, so please leave us a positive review on any or all platforms you listen to us on. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-LANTERN, 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night.